0: W-B-N-E.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode 184, all about the Lord of the Rings Appendices, Appendix A, being the 184th part of That's What I'm talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. I've been experiencing the world of J.R.R. Tolkien for the first time, and this week we are continuing our dive into the Lord of the Rings appendices and finally finishing Appendix A. Today I'm joined by Justin, better known as Freddy's roommate on TikTok. Welcome, Justin!
0: Hello! I've risen from the dead. I am back. Haha! <laughs> See, I saw all your comments, but now I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> You're never getting rid of me. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
1: Um, con- context for the listener: There was a bit of a um, identity crisis in the Zoom this this morning, where for some <laughs> somehow two Justins, two two profiles, got logged onto the Zoom we didn't know who was the real justin who was his evil twin but by that introduction it would seem that the evil twin survived so oh
0: no of course uh no i i'm the i'm the real justin all i Mm want to do is podcast and find out about earth's defense system it's fine don't worry about me
1: i'm fine (laughs) that's (laughs) (laughs) exactly spoken like a real true non-evil justin (laughs) So uh, today we are doing the last section of Appendix A. Hell so yes. for, for you know, a month ago where I thought I will do one episode on all of the Lord of the Rings appendices and then here we are four episodes into just Appendix A. But this section is on Durin's Folk. You're making a face, what? <laughs>
0: Man, you're, I mean, I was a little worried about you with um, like Rings of Power being two years away. But at this rate, man, you'll have plenty of content, plenty of appendices. You'll be all right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'll just do the appendices until the next Rings of Power season. Um, Shouldn't be, shouldn't get boring at all. This section is specifically on the dwarves. And I was like, I want to get on someone who is excited to talk about dwarves. And every time you've come on, we've talked about the dwarves.
0: Yeah, they deserve justice.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. And like you we we had some um not like a debate or anything, but there was a point in the Rings of Power show you brought up about like whether or not Elrond purposefully lost that <gasps> that axe picking yes. contest and then oh. later on in the series uh it is revealed that he did like purposefully lose and like what that says about how he views dwarves and how the show views dwarves and Anyway, we, we've had some like really fun conversations about dwarves.
0: it's both. <laughs> bo- okay, you know what? Let's get into it. This is what you're paying for, dear listener. I know you're like eating this, like listening to this whether you're eating breakfast or eating lunch or whatever or driving to work. Listen, I want you to listen very carefully because the way the Okay, I liked Rings of Power for the most part, for the most part. But God can can the dwarves be good. At something. Just let them be good. Let them be the best. At something. No matter if they try to smash rocks. Oh, turns out Elrond can smash it better. Oh, no. Oh, are they good fighters? Well, Legolas is climbing up elephants' trunks or whatever. Like, can they have a special ability? One special ability? Like, any of them at all? Like, oh, my gosh. they're, They're stuck with, like, trumpet ear thing. The trumpet ear guy and stuff like that. Like, come on. Come on. Let them be good. Let them... What's the word I'm looking for? It's just it seems, it's gotten to a point, maybe maybe it's the just the adaptations of it all, you know what I mean? Like, if, mm-hmm. they're, if they're not good at anything, they're not the best builders, they're not the best whatever, you know what I mean? If, well, Remember in Rings of Power when they were like, oh, we don't even need the dwarves, we'll just take the thing for ourselves. Yeah, we'll just
1: do it ourselves. <laughs> like, can't can we
0: have some collaboration, isn't that in the nature of the I books? Which I still
1: don't, I still don't feel good about that moment where durin had given elrond that like sample of the mithril and then when they failed to get the dwarves permission elrond was like oh let's just use this and i'm like doesn't that go against like what you were trying to do anyway anyway um i'm texting you this meme right now and (laughs) it i laughed so hard when i saw it
0: oh no okay dwarves elves better than (laughs) being better than humans Elves watching. The-
1: <gasps> oh, <laughs> too soon! Is it? Too but soon. isn't that so true? That's too. like so. Okay, oh, so this meme. Um. Oh, actually, it was posted in the "That's What I'm Talking About" Facebook group, which is kind hey. of the forgotten child of um my. <laughs> of my doing where I had too many social media platforms to keep up with and I kind of forget about Facebook. I'm so sorry. But a lot of times people do share some fun stuff there. And one of them was this meme where it's it's like the two it's like two guys like shaking hands. And it's Yeah, being better than men, dwarves and elves, and then afterwards (laughs) it's the elves washing their hands, and that's really what it feels like a lot of the times is that the dwarves really get this like stepchild treatment from I I won't even say from the fandom because I think I think the fandom Mm. there are a lot of people who really love the dwarves and like to you know do them justice and talk passionately about them. But by the the like source material, um, I tweeted something um, about, like, hey, who loves dwarves and wants to talk about them? And someone replied, well, not Tolkien. <laughs> Don't oh, get Tolkien
0: gosh, on. And I was like, Jesus. dang, yeah.
1: that's accurate. That, that does kind of remind me there is a little bit of um, some um, stereotyping with the dwarves on Tolkien's part that he later tried to rectify mm. after certain major world events. In the 1930s and 40s um, to distance himself from some of those stereotypes of the dwarves. But if you're really curious about it, there was an episode of Potterless where Mike Schubert had on a guest and they talked... um, a lot about uh, anti-Semitism in fantasy. And a lot of that has to start, it, it kind of starts with Tolkien and the dwarves. So just kind of putting that out there um, for, for this episode. But um, yeah, the dwarves kind of get this very sad treatment from the source.
0: It is crazy to me I, um, that all these other fantasy races are ripe for reinterpretation like there are a million different types of elves with different personalities different like loves and things like that and all that stuff but dwarves have remained the the exact same archetype through ever since like i i think just reading through Durin's folk and just the history of the dwarves in general damn tolkien really like from full court, nailed not nailed it, but like cemented the depiction of the dwarves to like this. Yeah, day. there mm-hmm. has not been a like creative or not creative. I don't want to. Maybe there's a book out there that I haven't read or whatever. So don't get me wrong, but like in popular culture, the Tolkien dwarves are the dwarves. The dwarves, yeah. Period. Like even have you played God of War?
1: I have not. No.
0: Yeah. Okay. So the new God of War game. There's two dwarves right there, and one of them is blue but it still acts like a token dwarf like i have a beard and i build stuff and all this stuff and he has a brother who also builds stuff i'm the clean dwarf you know what i mean but like even today they're still making these mm-hmm. exact in norse mythology and i'd dwarves, say like
1: by and large they almost always have a scottish accent yeah
0: like a gruff <laughs> like mostly a scottish accent gruff and all that stuff and even when we go back to because dwarves Correct me if I'm wrong, but dwarves are, like, come from Norse mythology. Even when we go back to the source of it, you know what I mean? Or telling stories about Norse mythology, they still act like token dwarves. <laughs> and Like, dang, J.R.R.? So man. what,
1: Um, a, qu- a question for you then, if you were creating your own piece of fantasy right now um or maybe not even fantasy maybe you're putting the dwarves in a (laughs) rom-com what uh how would you like reinvent the dwarves or what's like a a, a different like interpretation that you would depict dwarves as
0: it's like here's the thing they they are cemented in the earth like pun intended, a little bit. They are cemented mm-hmm. in the mountain. They they will always be builders, and like they they also have like maybe like a fighter streak to them. They're always building armor. They're always fighting something. They're always trying to take something back. Is there a world like if I was like redoing, not redoing, but like if I was in the writing room of Rings of Power, right? Mm-hmm. Is the and we don't we don't get to see really Kaza Doom like in all of its full glory, right? Is there a way to bend that to way to they are the scientists of Middle Earth? If that makes any sense, oh, you know what I mean, like yeah, we we haven't seen this place before. It fell, it like in its greatest glory. You know what I mean? Is there a world where like this is don't like this is exaggerating? Remember in Atlantis when they had the flying stonefish? Yes. Why why why, why don't get, the, yeah, why don't they have like flying? Atlantis
1: cars? dwarf <laughs> crossover. Yes, because they're yes. so
0: cemented in earth and fire and stuff like that. Is there a world where maybe it's a under a waterfall where they like use water or something or a different element or something? Or even on the top of the mountain, use air or something. Um maybe. What do you think? Is that a dumb answer?
1: <laughs> no, that's not a dumb answer at all. And like I think this is a real, I think you bring up like a really fun point that can lead to a lot of like creative discussions about like what else can we do with dwarves? Cause you are right that, um, so many other like fantasy tropes and peoples are always being reinvented. But yeah, dwarves are almost always this, um, like stubborn, hardy type of people even if dwarves were the forgotten stepchild of middle earth <laughs> i still think he created a very like commendable group of people with a lot of like really fantastic qualities for like fantasy worlds and plots you know so maybe there's a reason that people haven't tried to recreate this you know if it ain't broke mm. don't fix it you know kind of a mentality um and so i think there's like a You know, just playing like devil's advocate here.
0: (laughs) Okay, here's the thing. I'm not saying they're broken or like they, they, how do I say? Yeah, oh yeah. Saying,
1: like, wanting to see a new interpretation doesn't mean that we don't like what originally happened. It's just like, you know, it's like 80 years later, let's do something new. I totally understand that.
0: Like, I mean, there are, this is going to sound like, dumb i hope it's not dumb but i think there's versions of dwarves in all types of different stories of like i guess a role of kind of like a side character that is supposed Mm -hmm. to contrast the world around them or has knowledge of the world or cultural knowledge of the world as the main character doesn't have like i guess tinfoil tinfoil hat theory right now like not theory but like put your tinfoil ron i I know what you
1: mean ron weasley
0: (laughs) fills the role of a dwarf but he's not a dwarf you know what I'm you're s-
1: you know what no you're so correct with that because yes. i also think a lot of his i think a lot of his personality mm-hmm. is also very like like this like stubbornness in and him. he's
0: redheaded <laughs> <laughs> and he has a bunch of family uh, Yeah, but like that fills the cultural mm-hmm. role ron Reesley, when he's done right um fulfills that cultural knowledge that Hermione and Harry don't have um, yeah. when I think of Star Wars Finn I think Finn is the dwarf of the group he has mm-hmm. cultural knowledge of the enemy that Rey and Poe do, don't have he's like no we have to go you know um, I think that role is fulfilled they're just not dwarves you know what I mean does that make any yeah. sense
1: <laughs> I to- no I to- makes tons of sense totally see what you're saying there so let's dive into this section now and t- and see more of this history of the dwarves. Okay, so I'll, s- I'll set the scene um, for Ooh. listeners who maybe don't remember or people who didn't listen to the Silmarillion episodes. I don't know why. I'm just curious if there are listeners out there. Like, why would you? Or maybe you're just coming in now as a listener. I don't know. I just think it's funny where you're, you're like, no, I'm not going to listen to the Silmarillion episodes, but I do want to <laughs> listen to four episodes on Appendix A. Ugh, <laughs> Is the best what... one. Anyway, for people who maybe don't remember or haven't read the Silmarillion, dwarves... Okay, so let me ba- e- go back even <laughs> further. <laughs> so the god of Middle-earth, so to speak, Eru or Luvatar decided that they were going to be his two, quote-unquote, children, which were elves and men. And the demigods of Middle-earth, the Valar, there's one named Aule. and he is, like, the crafter uh, demigod. And one day he... (laughs) He makes dwarves. <laughs> like he he makes dwarves. Makes like a whole race of people. Iluvatar finds out, God finds out, and is like, bro, that's not supposed to happen. I'm supposed. We're supposed to build this earth and then I'm going to awaken. I'm going to bring elves into it. And then after that, I'm going to bring men. Dwarves are not supposed to be here. This is not a part of my plan. And he, Aule, is like, okay, you're right. I, I made a mistake. And he goes to destroy the elves. I mean, the elves. <laughs> he goes to destroy the dwarves, his own creation, who he is viewing like as his children. And like as he's lifting his hammer, Iluvatar then steps in again and says, no, 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 I don't want you to do that. What we're going to do is we're going to freeze them in time and then I will awaken them when I deem it right for them to come into this world. And so that's how the dwarves were created and came to be on Middle Earth. So kind of like their, their roots are really, you know, literally like made and set in stone. A lot of what we're talking about of like their stereotypes, like throughout fantasy and stuff of being like, they're literally set in stone and so that's I think why and also Owlay being like the crafter the dwarves kind of look at him as like he's our dad so that's how Mm. the dwarves become um, the like mining crafter builder uh, people in Middle-earth that's setting the stage (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> like five minutes later. So, Durin's Folk, this section of Appendix A, uh, picks up with Durin the Deathless, which sounds dope. <laughs> Incredible
0: like, <what> a- <laughs> name. Like, <laughs> yeah. bravo, Tolkien. You, like, knew what you were talking about sometimes. Damn. Crazy to think. <laughs> he knew what he was
1: talking about. <laughs>
0: hey! hey. <laughs> get, get out. Get out.
1: Canceled. <laughs> Leaves, ends the episode. <laughs> <sighs> okay, okay, so um, <laughs> Durin the Deathless is there are these seven fam like lead families of the dwarves, and Durin's folk is like the most important of these seven families. And notice I'm saying seven, just bear that in <laughs> mind. Bear Jesus. that in mind okay. for for later.
0: Oh no! Oh no! Um,
1: no, it's nothing like, bad. It's just okay. I don't know why I'm like like the Seven Rings.
0: Seven rings oh, yeah. for the dwarves. Yeah, there of course, you go. Of course,
1: there you go. Yeah. So Durin's folk is like the the big family, the main family, and they are the ones that establish Casa Doom and get it to be in its you know heyday. Unfortunately, we're not gonna. This section doesn't talk, but maybe also fortunately, it doesn't talk a lot about um, Durin the Fourth from. Rings, Rings of, of Power. Power. Yeah. So, in Rings of Power, anyone who has been watching, King Durin is Durin the Third and Prince Durin, the one that we all love who's married to Disa and they're low key like the best part of the show. Mm-hmm. Um he is the fourth. And this section it it like establishes Durin the Deathless saying like, "Oh, he he lived for such a long time even though dwarves are not immortal like elves. They do still have this lengthened and strengthened lifespan compared Mm -hmm. to men. And then it like skips down to during the sixth. So we're skipping over during the fourth. So I kind of wish we learned a little (laughs) bit more about him, but also maybe as enjoyers of the show, it leaves a little bit up to question for us to watch the show unfold for this character you know where it's like oh we don't know what's going to happen with i mean we we kind of know sadly what the end is but we don't know what the middle is you know
0: okay are we spoiling Reigns of power right now all of it yeah
1: i guess i guess like general spoilers for rings of power but also like a lot of this is just conjecture because the show Mm -hmm. has kind of there are certain points where it veers off course from the quote-unquote source material
0: yeah are these appendices like you know how in like other fantasy shows that are currently going on at the same time as Rings of Power. Uh is this text
1: Are you referring to House of Dragon? <laughs> no, I would
0: never. Oh, okay. Um Um but uh, is this are they is this text actually what happened? Or is it a mm-hmm. recounting of what happened?
1: I know, yeah. You know what it's, I mean? Yeah. Like,
0: because maybe like what if what if we don't know this person writing this text right now, it doesn't know what happened in during the fourth, because maybe he went to the undying lands or something like he did some adventures with Elrond in between. And then he came back to the mountain and then Durin's Bane, yada, 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 you know, <laughs> is what would you consider? Is this actual factual
1: text? I know. This, well, that's uh, the thing. We you know? kind of don't know. So the appendix are written. I think it's written by Mary and Pippin. <laughs> Uh, I think it's maybe even just Pippin is like taking these notes and writing it down and I think it mentions that Gimli supplied a lot of the information um, in the quote-unquote red book which is where the appendices would have been written. Mm. So this is all by Gimli's account. So I think that's also kind of why like we're focusing on Durin's folk because Durin's folk is Gimli's family and we're not hearing about like the six other families of dwarves and like what were they up to where did they go
0: that makes sense because like I, I i do this thing in my dungeons and dragons campaigns one of them just ended um but how i tell my players that when you hear like i asked the merchant a question that is his perspective of an answer like mm-hmm. you know what i mean if he says like oh like tell me about the 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 knights of the capital city, gotta, go gotta, gotta. The merchants could be like, they're undefeated. They can never, they are invincible. They can never like die or whatever. They're undying. are they? When they're like just guys in gold armor. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Is this a case of, as we're reading this, like was Durin actually deathless?
1: Was he? Was he? Did he live Or was long? it, yeah. Or was yeah. it just, Um, because also Gimli by the time, yeah, exactly. <laughs> by the time like, Gimli is relaying all of this information during the first during the deathless is someone who is held up is almost like, you know, folklore to mm-hmm. him. um, and, and yeah, like legend, like something of a legend in his people. Um, and that's why Durin is like, then that's why it's like Durin the third, Durin the sixth, Dur- like it, it continues on because people, it says that when a dwarf in his line was born that was like thought to emulate Durin the deathless, that's why, like, that's why they chose his name to be continued on because he was such a legend in this like ancestry. So it very well could be that like, Durin the first was just like a regular guy and <laughs> and like
0: a regular guy. He did some cool stuff one time. Just like a
1: regular King, you know, And but maybe like his son held him in such reverence that he mm. told these stories that made him up to be this really fantastic leader of this people. And then that's how he got. Th- so you're totally right that this is all up to interpretation of like that This is like what Gimli is saying and Gimli is talking about. So how do we know what Gimli knows is quote unquote true? Mm-hmm. I think that leaves a lot of interesting territory for the Rings of Power show.
0: Well, I, I'm wondering why readers of Tolkien give that leeway to the stories of the world, but won't give that leeway to Rings of Power. To the
1: show, yeah. You know what I mean? It's, be- <laughs> it's because... It, it's a lot of things, yeah. you know. Let's let's be honest. It's a lot of things.
0: Okay, back to the part. so yeah,
1: <laughs> the dwarves. They're doing they're doing great. It says the power of Moria endured throughout the dark years and the dominion of Sauron. For though Oregion was destroyed and the gates of Moria were shut, the halls of Khazad were too deep and strong and filled with a people too numerous and valiant for Sauron to conquer from without. Even though we. We've joked a lot about the dwarves being this forgotten stepchild. Tolkien still writes this really commendable trait into them that they cannot be controlled or swayed by Sauron. Mm. And that's not something that can be said, really, of the other races. Elves, he ha- Sauron has taken control of in the past. And that's how we ended up with orcs, actually, is the first elves he captured eventually turned into orcs, is how that all Yikes. happened um men we know <laughs> men ugh,
0: <laughs> are
1: <laughs> easily what gladriel says she has a line like in the first like 5 minute prologue of the movies where it's like but men but men's hearts are easily corrupted or something like that but dwarves are not something that Sauron can control. Unfortunately, there was another evil and darkness that did lead to their. I won't. I won't say downfall, but significant um, d- diaspora. Is that the word? <laughs> uh, d- let me. Let me. Sure, let me look at this why word. Why not? Why not? Isn't diaspora a like the African like, cult diaspora? <laughs> diaspora. Um. The dispersion. Or spread of a people from their original homeland. Oh, my God.
0: Wow, look at you.
1: Look at me knowing words. You get
0: one point in race relations today. One point.
1: (laughs) By the time we get to... Again, like I said, this section does jump over um, the King Durin and Prince Durin that we see in the show. So whatever happens between them, we'll just have to see what happens. Durin the 6th is in power. And that is when... The dwarves, it says, the dwarves delved deep at that time, seeking beneath, seeking beneath Barons and B- Berenzabar.
0: Oh, I read that. <laughs> seeking
1: beneath <laughs> for okay. Mithril.
0: Berezimbar. That's what I... The
1: Berenz... Mm-hmm. Okay, there we go. Uh, seeking beneath for Mithril, the metal beyond price that was becoming yearly ever harder to win. Thus they roused from sleep a thing of terror that flying from Thangorondrim, Thangorodrim, I could never say that right, but that Thangorondrim was essentially Morgoth's or Melkor's evil fortress in the Silmarillion. Terror that had laid hidden at the foundations of the earth since the coming of the host of the West, a Balrog of Morgoth. Durin was slain by Durin was slain by it, and the year after, Nain the first his son. And then the glory of Moria passed, and its people were destroyed or fled far away. So mm. that is the start of what happens to Moria. And eventually, down the line, we see, you know, the fellowship coming into Moria. And like, that's how it went from
0: mm. okay. being this. So, okay, back to I think we're just reading this reinforces how Tolkien is literally glued all in the cracks of every single fantasy story ever you know because like this is this isn't i i said finn is a dwarf or fills the role of a dwarf this sounds like the mandalorian
1: (laughs) this is like which aspect
0: the okay the awakening
1: of the balrog or like the destruction of this like no. thriving city.
0: Number one, destruction of a thriving city. Number two, a super sweet metal that they are constantly trying to get.
1: Okay. Number
0: three, dwarves are slow to trust. They are of an earthly substance. They are trying to like get back to something that was once greater and more grand than anything they could be than mm. they are than the time that we meet them you know what I mean and when we do meet them they're doing these odd jobs they're not of the grandeur that they should be or that they want to be and i think that's a lot of what mm. the mandalorian i i guess not the mandalorian but the mandalorian culture that it, this is pulling from you know what i mean does that make any sense also the whole uh there's the evil that we're dealing with now, but that evil was, there was a bigger evil back then that was so big. There was a war so great that you'll never know about unless it's a prequel series, but like, you know what I mean? Like it's very odd. I don't know. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> you're, you're correct in that Tolkien's hands are on everything, whether or not everything. you, whether or not like the creators and right in the writer's room of the Mandalorian, someone was like, Hey, Tolkien, right created this thing let's see how we can like dive off of that and whatever Tolkien is a part of almost every aspect of fantasy which Mm -hmm. is something you can't say about I think really any other writer you know Mm -hmm. so props
0: to you J.R.R.
1: I know, right? Sometimes <laughs> sometimes I like to make fun of him, and sometimes I'm like, "Damn, he did write some good words."
0: <laughs> I guess he was a little smart, but whatever. Go ahead.
1: After the destruction of Moria, Moria, people are either the the dwarves either have died as a result or they have fled. And they uh let's see, Thrain Thrain the First, um who is Durin the Sixth grandson. Um, He is now leader of, of this family of dwarves and he establishes Erebor in the Lonely Mountain. And this is the city that in The Hobbit, the Thorin and the dwarves and Bilbo are trying to take back from Smaug. So they establish the city Erebor and in it he finds the great jewel, the Arkenstone, heart of the mountain. So these are things that like, readers of the hobbit, watchers of the hobbit were familiar with these things. And then kind of to my surprise, I didn't know this. Thorin, his son when he become I guess when he becomes king, he departs to the grey mountains where other members of Durin's folk have been gathering. Mm-hmm. And for a while they stay there for several generations but this is also very dangerous land because there are dragons there and eventually there are battles and they are ha- they are forced to leave once again and so they get split up at that point where the king at that point gets killed And his two sons, one of them, his oldest, who is like now the king of, you know, who is now the leader, takes people back to Erebor. And then his other son goes to the Iron Hills. And that is how we get this in The Hobbit, again, how we have this other army of dwarves that show up from the Iron Hills. I was always confused about like, well, wait a minute. Why? <laughs> if Like, how did they end up there? But they're all still a part of the same family. So this is how that happens. Anyway, now they're back in Erebor and Thor is the leader. So this is actually Thorin's grandfather. I didn't realize that Ere- Like. You're reading The Hobbit, you're watching The Hobbit, and they're making Erebor out to be this like really fantastic city that they. it's like this was our second home after Moria was destroyed. But like, not really. They Mm. were only there for like two generations because there was the first king after they left Moria. Mm -hmm. And then the next leader, they went to the Grey Mountains and they stayed there longer Then they stayed in Erebor. Mm. Which I I, I just find so fascinating.
0: I feel like it's one of those things where like you ever you ever have something that means something so much to you as a kid, and then you grow up and you tell your parents about like this great special moment that changed your brain chemistry. And they're they're like, like, No, oh, that that was just a that was just a throwaway line or something. Or like, oh, that was they're like, um, like, oh, I have grandmother's Secret recipe. This is like my grandmother made it every single Sunday, and then your mom's like, she got that from a Betty Crocker box. What are yeah. you talking about? <laughs> it's just cinnamon.
1: He <laughs> just adds cinnamon, you know, like it's it's just the recipe on the back of the chocolate chip package. Yeah, yeah. but
0: it, to you, it was like grandma's special cookies. Yeah, I think it's the same situation here. You know what I mean?
1: Yes, totally. They revive Erebor and get it to a really prosperous point. They're doing great. They have um it says they have a friendship of all men and they're heavily connected still to their kin in the Iron Hills, which I think is great cuz it's not like oh there was this battle in the Gray Mountains and the two brothers were fighting about where to go and then they had this terrible split. It was just like, "No, some people went over here and some people went over there, but like we're still, you know, we're we're still connected with them." So things are going too good for the dwarves at this point.
0: <laughs> it always is.
1: It's all. It always is, right? Um, so the rumor of the wealth of Erebor spread abroad and reached the ears of the dragons. And at last, Smaug the Golden, greatest of the dragons of his day, arose and without warning came against King Thror and descended on the mountain in flames. Interesting to note that it's Smaug the Golden, but Ooh. I feel like in every visual adaptation he's red
0: <laughs> oh another instance where like he, I guess the lore of Tolkien is permeated it's mm-hmm. Smog is the dragon there is no like I guess a, more popular dragon than Smog. Give
1: yeah me, I mean
0: is there a more popular um, dragon than Smog?
1: I suppose there are like one or two if we're talking about in like general fantasy pop culture mm-hmm Smaug is the dragon. If you're talking specifically like within the Tolkien world, there are, I don't remember, but that's the thing. I don't remember their names or the specific <laughs> exactly. instances. It's but there are one it. or two dragons in, oh, Glaurung. That's a name of a dragon. <laughs> there are a that few instances. That sounds like a Tolkien
0: name generator.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> there are a few other instances of like really uh, big and mighty dragons in the Silmarillion and the oh, war against Melkor and some characters who was like, oh, he's the slayer of blah, blah, blah. You know, mm-hmm. Smaug, I would say is generally is probably like the most well-known dragon, you know, aside Ever. from what what are some other dragons that are more famous? You came with Toothless? No, nah, it doesn't even oh, come yeah. close. Dra- the dragons from Dragon Tales? <laughs> you don't even know their names there's blue and pinky and purple and green <laughs> i feel like one of them was named cassie and one of, and i know what i know the big blue one was named or
0: or lame <laughs> there's the <laughs> anyway smile
1: comes to erebor and destroys it this is so sad like Tolkien's descriptions here are so vivid and like the way that he is painting this like, um, like, like generational trauma that we are seeing be established within the dwarves, you know, where their homes are constantly being ravaged by these like forces of darkness and says they went away south with their family into long and homeless wandering. Mm. Oh that that long and homeless wandering is so sad and devastating for for the dwarves that like they were once this really great people and now they have diminished into into wanderers, you know? I think I think
0: I guess this is a great time to correct me if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. I believe J.R.R. Tolkien took a lot of Jewish history and Jewish culture and Melded that with the dwarves, right? And I mean, I guess, as anyone who read the Bible, <laughs> you know, there is a sense of the Jewish people living, trying to live. And being like ravaged by something greater, Mm. bigger,
1: and like yeah, constantly facing persecution. Constantly
0: facing persecution of like you know whether it's like the pharaoh or anything other or like the world war things that were happening in World War Two that we could talk about at another time. You
1: know, yeah, yeah. Then we get into this really interesting note that we will return to in just ju- just a minute. I say just a minute. <laughs> It'll probably be like an hour. <laughs> Here they are now, ho- ho- again, homeless and wandering. Thor, King Thor, gives to his son Thrain the last of the seven rings. And I read this and was very confused Wait a because minute. <laughs> I thought it is interesting because it does kind of just like skip over like Well, wait a minute, when did then again, I guess this would be accurate. Like, would Gimli have known when the dwarves were given rings of power and by whom and you know? Yeah. So Gimli wouldn't have known any of that. Anyway, so I thought that the dwarven rings were either destroyed or taken by Sauron, but then there's this mention of the last of the seven rings and it being handed to the other rings. What happened? We'll to find him? we'll find we'll find out. we we'll, so everyone remember that note, and we'll come back to it in just a bit. King Thror, he gives it to Thrain, who is Thorin's father. And he is like, I, you know, I'm the king of nothing now, basically. So I'm gonna go off and do my own thing. Um, it says he went away with one old companion only called Nar. <laughs> um, it is my headcanon that Nar and Thror we're in love and they're a couple, (laughs) but like they're of the older generation. So it's like, oh yeah, it's, you know, it's grandma's friend that Uh she's also been roommates with for the last 50 years. And she comes on all of our vacations and she always Mm -hmm. is our grandma's plus one to all of the family events. Uh, but yeah, they're just friends. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And there's a TikTok sound. Actually, I think it's, um, it's like, in history, we'll say they were Plutonic friends or something. <laughs> this gals being pals. Yeah. Anyway, they head off and... With this, Thor says, um, the passing over the ring, he says, this may prove the foundation of new fortune for you, though it seems unlikely, but it needs gold to breed gold. So mm. again, remember that. And Thrain's like, what are we going to do? Do we think we'll ever, do you think we'll ever go back to Erebor? And Thor says, no, this is not. He's basically like, that's your problem now. <laughs> Bye. Damn. He says, our vengeance on smog I bequeath to you and your sons. Um, But he's old now. And it says he was a little crazed, perhaps with age and misfortune and long brooding on the splendor of Moria in his forefathers days, which you've brought up. Um, about the Dwarves always holding something <laughs> in, in high regard, wanting to get back to that. Mm-hmm. Or the ring, it may be, was turning to evil now that its master was awake, driving him to folly and destruction. So for whatever the reason they don't know why, Thor and Nar go to Moria and Nar stands outside and Thor goes inside and several after a while Nar hears, a horn and he hears some shouting and then all of a sudden a body is flung out. And he hears a taunting voice from an orc telling him that he is the messenger now and to come forth and look. And the orc says, this is what happens to thieves and beggars who try to come back into Moria. Like, tell them my name. It is written on his face. And so Nar goes over and he turns over, he flips over the body of Thror. Then Nar turned the head and saw branded on the brow in dwarf runes, so that he could read the name Azog. <gasps> that I was like, "Damn, that's like hardcore. That's really harsh. That's really hard, and like it gets harsher." And that's why I was like, "Tolkien really—it's not that he did the dwarves dirty, <laughs> but he—he—he he, he put them through a lot, you know.
0: It's rough. Hours. They are a."
1: a traumatized people too but- traumatized what was the point
0: <laughs> what was the reason i mean like
1: what was the reason has
0: there ever been a more colder thing in the history of lord of the rings like, um damn. yes like but- no- <laughs> really i put this in your people's word own tongue so you can read it i put like could you imagine if someone it just is it's dropped- pretty cold yeah. yeah tattooed their name on your friend's dead body yeah. Ooh, that's rough
1: um, more. I think the the beginning of the battle of Pelennor Fields against Minas Tirith, they the other side kicks it off by catapulting the severed heads oh, of the sh- army that went to attack on Osgiliath. I think that's pretty harsh. <laughs> that Jesus. one always sticks out in my brain. <laughs> that one's like, damn, that's rough, buddy. Anyway. <laughs> so they also they throw this like bag of of, like, cheap coins back at Nar to kind of, like, taunt him. And he And he <laughs> flees and brings word back to Thrain. And so everyone's upset, obviously. They're like, we have to, we have to, you know, avenge King Thror. We have to take back our city, let's do this. So they they rally all of the dwarves that are like still alive even dwarves from other families outside of Durin's folk and they start pillaging and sacking all of the strongholds of the orcs as they are like making their way up to Moria again. And then they have this huge battle, it's called the Battle of zan Bazaar. <laughs>
0: Yeah, sure. As
1: as in Nulen, but how?
0: Ha, yeah, I yeah. pronounced it in my head as Azuna boulevard <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Azu, as a bazaar, as a bazaar, like two words but smushed together. You know what I
1: mean? That's what that's what a lot of Tolkien is. There's a lot of words smushed together in a Kaza, word. You know, Doom. You know what I
0: mean? <laughs> i kind of like I guess take cadence to it.
1: Um, and it says, at the memory of which the orcs still shudder and the dwarves weep. So you read that line at the beginning of this description and you're like, damn, this is going to be heavy. And it is. Uh, it's rough. It's rough. They're battling back and forth. Sometimes the dwarves are winning and sometimes the orcs are winning. And then it says the The people of the Iron Hills turned the day, just like they did in uh, Battle of Five Armies. And so they come out and then their their leader stands outside the, the gate and says Azog if you if you are in come out or is the play in the valley too rough Ooh. so I love I love that like taunting element this like bit of fun um, that we also see carried through to Dane the leader of the Iron Hills In uh, we really see that come out in the Battle of Five Armies movies where I'm pretty sure he says he doesn't use a swear word, (laughs) but like for Tolkien movies, he basically says like a profanity and everyone was like, oh, dang. But like, that's his personality. You know, you look back at his father and you're like, dang, Azog comes forth and Azog and Nain have this battle, but Nain has been battling like a lot and he's tired and Azog is like fresh and he's been inside resting and so Nain is killed I mean it's
0: Azog wait this is the pale orc right
1: yeah so this is where there's some departure yeah I'll, we'll 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 get back to that in uh, in a minute then Nain's son Dane Dane Ironfoot jumps up and avenges his father and kills Azog.
0: Rest in peace. Yeah. Wait, in pieces. In pieces. Ooh, br- 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 I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> At this point, the rest of the orcs, they either run away or they're killed. And so they they have won this battle. Um, Sorry, I do just want to bring up real quick. There was a footnote that I read it and I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. It's talking about Thrain and Thorin in the battle. Mm-hmm. And the footnote says about Thorin, it is said that Thorin's shield was cloven and he cast it away and he hewed off with his axe a branch of an oak and held it in his left hand to ward off the strokes of his foes or to wield as a club. In this way, he got his name. And that's why he's Thorin Oakenshield. Oakenshield. You didn't I know that? never made that connection. And this is a detail that they did put in the movie. Yeah, And I just never thought about it. <laughs>
0: that's like that's like his whole shtick. Thorin Oakenshield. The whole I know, thing. I
1: didn't. The whole time. <laughs> look. <laughs> the whole time? The whole time? Anyway, yeah. So I'm dumb and I didn't realize that. And I literally just went like, oh, uh, for the longest time when I read that. They won this battle, but it was really at a great cost to them. This was another thing that I was like, damn, that's hardcore. They took the head of Azog and thrust into its mouth the purse of small money. And then they set it on a stake. So that little bag of money that was like thrown at Nar as he ran from Moria, they shoved it in Azog's decapitated head.
0: That's kind of hardcore.
1: For display. I was like the dwarves do not mess around. They don't mess around. Where is you know? this
0: energy any other time in the story? Where was this, where I was know. this the whole time?
1: <laughs> it's, the thing is, is that it's always there. Tolkien just didn't write about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> King Thrain is like, he's, he's really feeling good about this. But the rest of the people are like, bro, look around. We like, yeah, we won, but at what cost? So many of our people are dead. Um, it says we have taken vengeance, but it is not sweet. And then there are other people who are saying khazad Doom was not our father's house. So there are people who are in this battle who are like, this isn't even our, you know, not my circus, not my monkeys kind of a thing. But the mm-hmm. dwarves, I guess, you know, when they, I think that also does say a lot about them that even though it's not their circus and it's not their monkeys, they were like, we're going to come and Let's back go. you up.
0: It, it saddens me that like, even even in this text, you know what I mean? Like the dwarves won and they still haven't won. There's, this, it's still not a good victory. I Can know. they catch a break? Like at I know anything?
1: they can't, they can't, they cannot catch a break. It's really beautiful. It says that, like, of their dead, because they they don't have time to build tombs and bury their dead in the way that they customarily do. So they take all of the, like, weapons and everything off of the bodies because they don't want any enemies to come and get them. And they burn the rest of their bodies. And a footnote says that, like, this was very, it was a big deal if dwarves had to burn their dead, because that is not mm. how they treat their dead. That is not what they do. And it says that in years on, a dwarf would say, like, of a family member, he was a burned dwarf as, like, a um, sign of pride, of, like, they were in this insane battle, and, like, that was really important, and they were brave, but we lost them. Dane, they go back to the Iron Hills, and Thrain is still kind of, like filled with this, you know, like fury and fire within him. And he says to Thorin, he's like, so what should we do? Like, and Thorin's like, I'm with you. Let's go, you know, let's, let's keep on keeping on. Dane says to like Thrain and Thorin that don't, don't like, yeah, we won this battle, but I would not go back into Moria. I would not, you cannot retake it and like build it back up as as your new home because Durin's Bane is still in there. Mm -hmm. It says the world must change and some other power than ours must come before Durin's folk walk again in Moria. Then I don't know, a hundred years in the future, a hobbit drops a rock down a well, uh, awakens Durin's Bane and then uh, Gandalf does his thing and then becomes Gandalf the white.
0: I have a question. So this is Pippin. Mm-hmm. Hearing this from Gimli, but yet, yes. he still wanted to go through Moria.
1: So they, this is all, <laughs> this is all being recorded after the War of the Ring.
0: Ah, uh, so maybe you find out, this some reading. So this
1: is in their in their like retirement age, you know, <laughs> like they've they've done this intense battle,
0: went to therapy, whole nine years
1: Hopefully, went to therapy. Then the dwarves go to Dunland and they, again, like they build up things and they prosper and like they're doing well as uh like blacksmiths and everything, but it's not the same. They're not in the same glory that they know they could be in. As Thror had said when he gave the ring to Thrain, the ring needs gold to breed gold. So even though they're forging like iron and weapons and everything, there's nothing the ring is going to do for them now to help them build up that glory. I mean,
0: I get. So the ring doesn't even matter. It didn't like, oh. Well, okay. it did. So let, it let's, it talk did let's talk about that. It did matter.
1: Let's talk about that. It used to. At this moment in time, it's not helping them. So the ring, again, like I said, as I first read that the seventh ring was like passed on. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I thought that like all of the rings were destroyed or taken. Mm -hmm. Um, It says it was believed by the dwarves of Durin's folk to be the first of the seven that was forged. And they say it was given to the King of Khazad-Dum, Durin the third, who is King Durin in the rings of power show. So oh. that that lines up with like our timeline of the Rings of Power show, like the rings are being forged at the same time that Durin the Third is king. So like we can certainly see a a future with the show where King Durin the Third is given a ring of power. You know, mm-hmm. it says given uh, given a ring by the Elven smiths themselves and not by Sauron though doubtless his evil power was in it since he had aided in the forging of all the seven. So there's kind of these two histories of the dwarven rings. And one of them, I think the, the history and the story that is more widely told or more widely quote unquote known is that the seven rings were forged by Sauron and given to the dwarves. Then later on, they were either destroyed or taken back by Sauron because Sauron realizes it says uh, the dwarves they were made in their beginning of a kind to resist most steadfastly any domination though they could be slain or broken they could not be reduced to shadows enslaved to other will and for the same reason their lives were not affected by any ring to live either longer or shorter all the more did Sauron hate the possessors and desire to dispossess them i don't remember i was talking about like the door dwar- the the right what happened to the dwarven rings so sauron gave them the rings I- expecting to be able to control them and when that didn't happen he got mad and through a variety of ways his Forces like dark forces, whatever, attacked. And Sauron was either able to take back the rings or the rings were destroyed. Hmm. Except for, theoretically, this seventh ring. This is something that I think is like a a story, is a legend or potential Hmm. folklore among the dwarves, among Durin's folk, as Gimli is relaying this information later on to be like, so... Yeah, the Seven Rings were eventually, in one way or another, the dwarves were no longer in possession of the Seven Rings. But my, you know, great-great-grandfather, or how, I, I don't know the exact whatever, he's saying that, no, uh, there was one of the rings that was still retained by Durin's folk and passed from king to king. And eventually... Thrain, Thror, <laughs> pass it on to Thrain.
0: Mm, a lot of thrusts.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, lots of that. Whether or not this is true, we we don't mm-hmm. know. I think that's super interesting. So what ended up happening is that Thrain has, in the aftermath of this battle at Moria against Azog, Azog is killed, all that stuff. He is growing ever more restless and discontented it says the lust of gold was ever in his mind because here they are trying to rebuild after this battle his father thrower said it 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 needs gold to breed gold Mm. he's like okay let's maybe it's our time now to take back erebor maybe it's our time to get us back to greater glory so he and a company of people set out. This company includes, by the way, Balin and Dwalin, who hey, are two of the dwarves know them. from The Hobbit. Oh! So they set out on this quest that is never really clear. Um, Maybe it was clear at the time among everyone else about like, yeah, this is the plan. But as Gimli knows, he doesn't understand truly what he was setting out to do. So they're in Mirkwood. And they fall asleep, and the next day they wake up, and they never find Thrain again. Only long after was it learned that Thrain had been taken alive and brought to the pits of Dol Guldur. There he was tormented, and the ring was taken from him, and there at last he died. So this is one version of events of the the history of one of the dwarven rings of one of them survived. And remained within the possession of dwarves and was passed down until eventually it was taken back by Sauron. And I think this is going to be really interesting to see what the show decides. <laughs> what, what are they going to mm-hmm. share and tell? Is it going to be, because they've already kind of, they've really veered off course of the Rings of Power creation itself. The Dwarven Rings I think will be very interesting to see how the show tackles because we have these two kind of like competing histories of what happened to the Dwarven Rings where one of them survived long enough and that possibly explains this like greediness that was within durin's folk and like these evil events that kept following them you know Ah. and i think it's not so much in the hobbit book but in the hobbit movies the arkenstone is really what drives that madness and the greed behind the kings but i think it's way more compelling if it was actually one of the rings
0: (gasps) mary clay you busted it open (laughs) You've solved the
1: mystery. Okay. I don't know if I've solved it so much as I, this is, I, I think, more interesting. So,
0: more interesting than the Arkenstone. So, okay. So, if if they, if the ring has been following them, do does it offer any control? Not control, but, like, if you wear it and you're in front of the Balrog, is the Balrog going to be like, oh, yeah, 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 you're gonna, you're Sauron's homies. You know what I mean?
1: No. The dwarves with the rings are specifically not Sauron's homies, you know, because they're not under his dominion. Okay, so it says the only power over them that the rings wielded was to inflame their hearts with a greed of gold and precious things so that if they lacked them, all other goods seemed profitless and they were filled with wrath and desire for vengeance on all who deprived them. Okay, so in my head, the dwarves who have the rings... I think that explains why they were so prosperous Mm -hmm. because there's always this push within them greed, lust for gold, whatever you want to call it this drive within them to keep digging, like keep making things, keep doing better, keep making things greater and greater and greater. And that's also what pushed them to uh, digging for Mithril, Mm -hmm. even when they, ooh. Ooh, ooh! Okay, uh-oh, brain uh-oh. blast, brain <laughs> okay. blast. Ready? You
0: broke it open. Okay, okay. So
1: in the show, yes. King Durin is very much against the idea of mining for mithril. He's like, it's dangerous. There have already been a lot of there have been like a lot of collapses. There's a lot of reasons that he has for leaving mithril alone and leaving the mountain, the deeper mountains, be. And you see Mm. them in one of the episodes, whatever Elrond and Durin were mining, you see them later like patching it up because they're like, we're not touching that. And they don't even know yet that the Balrog is underneath that. But Mm. if the show decides to go by this history that the Elven Lords gave to Durin the Third the first dwarven ring, and the ring awakens this greed... That could very easily explain, because as it stands right now, it's kind of like, well, wait a minute, how did the dwarves go from, no, we're not mining Mithril, we're leaving it alone, to, you know, delve too greedily and too deeply and awaken the Balrog? How do we go from point A to point B? Um, (laughs) And I think... If we see one of the elven lords give King Durin III a ring, that would be an explanation for why there's this change and why they awaken a- the Balrog. And then that goes again down the line where they get to Erebor, but the next mm. king is like, I don't want this. This isn't good enough. Let me go try and do something else. Mm. And then back in Erebor, they are so prosperous that a dragon hears about it and is like I'm coming to get that and that's why king thor tried to go back to moria with his platonic friend gnar (laughs) and take back moria and that's why thrain who has the ring and is the last possessor of the ring was so after the battle they've lost all of these people there's been so much destruction but he still views it as somewhat of a victory and yet he still wants more and it's because of the ring wow that was a lot of talking i realized
0: no 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 okay but for real though like i was like connecting the dots and then you would say what i was thinking i'm like oh 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 i don't have anything to add to that that i think you solved it jr token that's what he was talking about yeah
1: Yeah. (laughs) so i I think that is the more I think it would be more interesting for the Rings of Power people to choose this version of history that the dwarves are telling, that instead of all of the rings being destroyed or taken, there was one that survived and was passed down up until King Thrain. Unfortunately, this is where it's going to get frustrating watching the show, because if they don't do that, I'm going to be sitting here being like, I have a better version of the story.
0: Oh, don't <laughs> just do like that! I thought, oh, don't do that! Just
1: like I thought with uh, Halbrand, oh, <laughs> where yeah. I was like, Halbrand is going to be the king of the dead army in Return of the King. Yeah, and he is this king, and he's going to return to his people, and he's going to. It's it's like a failed Aragorn story, you know. Anyway, I think it would be really compelling, especially since. Um, the show is building up this friendship between Elrond and Prince Duren. I think it would be compelling if Elrond made a case for them to make a dwarven ring. Mm. Or maybe the dwarves find out you know, through Prince Durin, who finds out through Elrond that there are these elven rings, and the dwarves are like, Well, we want one too.
0: Mm.
1: You know, and they advocate they advocate for themselves to have a a dwarven ring of power. And that's how King Durin gets a ring. And then we can proceed into, you know, mining Mithril, <laughs> the Balrog, all this other stuff um, that happens with with their history. Again, just it's always hard when you're watching shows. I would say it's harder for TV shows than movies. Because movies, you go in, you sit down, and you watch it unfold, and then that's it. Yeah, Whereas no t- you know TV discuss. shows, you have time in between each episode, in between each season, mm-hmm. to be like, this is how I want this to play out. I've now like established this is what I want to happen. And I will be very disappointed, do unfortunately, no, if it doesn't. No, don't
0: do that. Then you're... Don't do that cuz maybe I won't be disappointed.
1: You're right. Maybe I won't be disappointed if it does if this doesn't happen because maybe something different and cooler will happen yeah you know?
0: allow yourself i encourage you to allow yourself okay. to be surprised because this is Thank think you. about this Thank way you. you are doing the exact same thing that everyone did in 1999 when they saw the phantom menace i don't
1: what what what, what
0: and what was that? <gasps> oh wait that's right oh excuse this, this me okay. i'm sorry long, no no me turn. not knowing star long Wars. long story short <laughs> Between the last uh, Return of the Jedi and episode one, The Phantom Menace, it was a huge gap. And between that gap, people made stories of what, like, happened in between. Like, what were the prequels? Like, how did Darth Vader become this? You know what I mean? How did the Clone Wars happen? What was Obi-Wan like? This, that, and the other. You know what I mean? Had all these theories about what could have happened and what should happen, Right. And then when we got there, and it was drastically different, quality aside, you know, yes, the quality of of those films could have been better. I don't think that's, like, an unpopular opinion. Mm -hmm. Yes, people had built up this image of things that they should happen, instead of accepting the story for what it was. And people like me, who were kids at the time, who watched Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith, and that was Star Wars, like... That's that Star Wars to my generation of people. Mm-hmm. Like we hold those films and the Clone Wars and Anakin and all this stuff so deeply. You know what I mean? Because that's what was presented in front of us. You know what I mean? That's we took them for what they are. You know. So if, you, yeah. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you're like Rings of Power didn't do X Y Z. You know what I mean? Like just I encourage you.
1: You're- Correct, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? The same
0: thing happened with Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi. Luke Skywalker wouldn't do that. I
1: mean, you know what I mean? This is exactly that I appreciate your perspective because you have <laughs> allowed me to open my mind. Yeah. Because this is exactly um, why there are so many people who just outright say, oh, Rings of Power is trash, blah, 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 yeah. blah. Because they. Exactly what I was saying, exactly what I was saying and doing. You fell into the trap where in their mind they were like, this is what I want to happen. And if it doesn't happen, it's bad.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: And so you're you're correct that I should have a more this this is what I want to happen, and this is what I predict to happen, and what I think will be compelling. If it doesn't happen, I will say I'll be disappointed, but <laughs> That doesn't mean that something else couldn't happen that is still equally compelling, mm-hmm. you know? Allo- allow yourself those moments to be like, oh, I'm sad that what I want to happen and what I thought was going to happen didn't. Give yourself that time to recognize <laughs> that and then let it go and move on and talk and think critically about what did happen.
0: Uh, you sound like a Jedi, Mary Clay. Oh, I can't wait for you to watch Star Wars.
1: I know all uh. about Jedis. You know me.
0: <laughs> Hello. Hello. Okay, let's finish this up. <laughs> let's finish it up. Let's finish it up.
1: Okay. Yeah, That that's what I, to, to wrap those thoughts up, that's what I think and hope will happen for Rings of Power. But if it doesn't, I will keep my mind open to what does happen. Um, where even were we with this story? Uh <laughs> it's gonna be so disjointed. Okay. Thrain is taken by Sauron, the ring is also taken, and Thorin is now the king. So this is where the the events of the Hobbit really kick off. Mm-hmm. I love the way that Tolkien describes this, like passion and anger that is like slowly growing within Thorin mm. over the years. The embers in the heart of Thorin grew hot again as he brooded on the wrongs of his house and the vengeance upon the dragon that he had inherited. He thought of weapons and armies and alliances as his great hammer rang in his forge. But the armies were dispersed and the alliances broken and the axes of his people were few. And a great anger without hope burned him as he smote the red iron on the anvil. So descriptive. I can very clearly see how he came to be the the Thorn that we see in The Hobbit, where he's working endlessly. And like, as he's doing this, you know, maybe it's kind of... when you get to a certain level, yeah. maybe it's sometimes a mindless activity of like black blacksmithing and all, all this stuff that they're doing where he has th- this time to just be alone with his thoughts. And he's just thinking about the history of his fathers, the dragon, Erebor, battles that like maybe if he had done something differently, other things would have happened. I can see how all of that like empowers within himself. Oh, a desire for more, Mm -hmm. a desire for change. Then comes a chance meeting, it says, between Gandalf and Thorin. (laughs) And it says, this meeting changed all the fortunes of the House of Durin and led to other and greater ends. I love that because without... So really, if you think about it, the ring could not be destroyed if it weren't for the dwarves. Ooh. Because... Thorin had to meet Gandalf Mm -hmm. to set off on this quest with Bilbo for Bilbo to end up with the ring for the ring to end up with Frodo Mm -hmm. and you know a hobbit and for it to be realized that a hobbit is the only one who can take the ring to Mordor. And for it to later, you know, be destroyed. And I love that domino effect. It's so great to look at these dominoes being laid up that like, if it hadn't been for this, and Gandalf says it later in this section too, that this meeting was so important for so many other things in his, you know, that were to come Mm -hmm. and they would have no idea.
0: It's kind of like how Stephanie Meyer uh, eventually led to the fall of Ellen DeGeneres. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, Stephanie Meyer wrote twilight that became a uh, someone else wrote a fan fiction of twilight but with like sexiness in it and stuff like that that was called 50 shades of gray 50 shades of gray then gets turned yes. into a movie st- starring dakota johnson and which then yes. leads to dakota johnson being on ellen and being like uh, you didn't invite me to your birthday
1: <laughs> dang i love th- i love all those dominoes all thanks okay. to
0: dwarves and twilight that's the title of this episode
1: <laughs> okay so Thorin and Gandalf both end up in Bree on the same evening and Gandalf is sitting there thinking about Sauron because at this point he knows that Sauron is on the rise, that he's growing in power and he also knows that kind of nearby, not that far off, is this great dragon in the Lonely Mountain and he's worried about what Sauron is going to do. He's worried if he gets control of that dragon, what could happen. And so he's sitting here having these thoughts and then Thorin walks in. He's been, you know, journeying and doing stuff. <clears throat> and he walks in for the night and he sees Gandalf and he has heard tales and knows of Gandalf the Grey and recognizes him and he walks up and says like, "Hi, I'm Thorin. Nice to meet you." And Gandalf is like, "How incredible that you are here right now because I was just thinking about Erebor and Mm -hmm. about your people and how and what we could do and that's when they come up with this plan um and it says the story is told elsewhere I love it's does this several Mm. times in the (laughs) appendix where it there are events that are detailed in, you know, the Lord of the Rings or in The Hobbit. And it just says, of this much is told elsewhere. But it's like, <laughs> we're not going to go into the details now. You can read something else if you want to.
0: Mm-hmm. Look at J.R.R. Tolkien plugging his own work.
1: really yeah exactly exactly
0: like shameless plug the hobbit one of the best-selling novels of all time
1: exactly you know (laughs) see also the hobbit (laughs) the thing that launched the fantasy genre you know like (laughs) no big
0: deal casually
1: the battle of five armies happens they take back erebor thorin and his nephews keely and feely die and that is the end maybe not the end but that is like no, it is like the end of the direct line of like Durin's folk. Because then his cousin, Dane, uh, Dane Ironfoot, who killed Azog, mm-hmm. um, become becomes the king. Um, this is different from how it's portrayed in the Hobbit trilogy, <laughs> yeah. where Azog is alive in the Hobbit movies. And like he is the main big baddie. Mm-hmm. Um, in the book, it is his son, Bolg. Mm -hmm. who, I don't even think Bolg, Bolg is killed, if I remember, when they go into Goblin Town. Um, Because at that point, as Tolkien's writing The Hobbit, Goblin was also, it was like later Orc. Like those are kind of, they're one and the same, essentially. really? So in the book, the the hobbits, I mean the hobbits, the dwarves, they get taken into Goblin Town and that results in the death of Bolg Azog's son Mm. and then the orcs slash goblins are so enraged by this that they later attack Erebor and the dwarves so all of that is portrayed differently in the movie lots of things portrayed differently what I found interesting it notes here that in that summer of the same year Gandalf had at last prevailed upon Saruman and the White Council to attack Dol Guldur and Sauron retreated and went to Mordor. And that is what happens in the Hobbit trilogy. It's some, It's this, Accurate. like, one, it's so funny, because it's one sentence, yeah. this one detail, that they then turn into, like, an entire side plot in the Lord of the Rings, in the, in the Hobbit trilogy, mm-hmm. um, that at the time that I was watching it and had not yet read this, I was like, they made all of this up. <laughs> what is all of this nonsense? Yeah. Come to find out it is here in the appendices it's ri-
0: wow wow okay i have a question what happened to mm. radagast he kind of dipped out after these
1: i know <laughs> oh, i damn, know right man, i don't know round, Like, yeah, one, two. <laughs> that's the question where's radagast during you know the war of the ring um radagast he's like screw um,
0: this i'm going where the blue wizards are
1: Honestly, he might have. Um, let's see. The brief, the, the intro on the Lord of the Rings wiki says, um, sorry, it keeps, you know how you open a webpage and then like it'll keep moving things oh, down God. as more ads populate, you know? to get the ad block. Anyway, Radagast mainly concerned himself with the well-being of the plant and animal worlds and thus did not participate heavily in the War of the Ring. Lame. So that's just the brief description that he didn't want to i guess.
0: I <laughs> guess. What a jerk. Um
1: Radagast Oh, that's right. I do remember uh in a previous part in the appendix in the appendix it does mention that Saruman at the time that like he is he's not like fully evil yet. He's kind of getting there. Um Saruman asks Radagast to borrow some of his birds so that Ooh. Saruman explains it. Hey, can I have some of your birds so that I can spy on Sauron and our enemies and try to locate the and and try to find the one ring? And Radagast is like, sure, because he has no reason to believe at that point Mm -hmm. that Sauron would do something otherwise. And then instead, eventually he uses the birds as his spies to spy on and that's why in fellowship of the ring there's that one scene where they're the fellowship is like having a good time just relaxing for once and then the birds come over and Gandalf goes spies sent from Saruman mm, mm, mm. Uh, so forget Radagast what where where were we that's right Gandalf yeah they had this battle against Sauron in Dol that part of the Hobbit trilogy Is actually lore accurate?
0: Thank you, Peter. As
1: ridiculous (laughs) as ridiculous as it was portrayed, I just always have this one image in my head where Galadriel she goes like ring mode Mm -hmm. and she starts to use her Elven ring and she looks like um the girl in the well from (laughs) the ring, the ring, yeah. And then like she also like deadlifts like Gandalf has like passed out and is almost dying and she just like deadlifts like like. (laughs) no problem just like carries him away anyway so 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 king dane is he's durin's folk leader all of that and you're kind of like it is interesting like what were the what were the rest of the dwarves doing during the war of the ring because we don't see that in the lord of the rings after the ring is destroyed they're all i imagine they're all hanging out in minas tirith (laughs) um Healing, resting up. They're waiting for like the coronation to happen. They're having a good time just like being pals and not like running from Nazgul, you know? Gandalf tells, even Gandalf said afterwards to Frodo and Gimli, mm. he is relaying this news that King Dane has died in the battle that they were fighting. And he, it's so funny. He says, yet things might have gone far otherwise and far worse. When you think of the great battle of the Pelennor, do not forget the battles in Dale and the valor of Durin's folk. Which is so funny because this is the very (laughs) first time I'm ever hearing of this. Where he specifically (laughs) says like, yes, we did all this stuff, but we also need to remember... Our, our brothers in arms over in Dale the, what uh-huh. the Dwarves did we can't forget what they did too because they were very valiant in this larger war against Sauron and then it's like tucked away here in the in the appendices
0: <laughs> dang like what were they you know what never mind I know what happened I know. they were forgotten
1: they were forgotten <laughs> um and he says that had they not been fighting off Sauron's forces up by... I think they were like up by the Lonely Mountains. They're up by Dale, which is the... That's right. Dale was the town by Erebor and by the Lonely Mountain. Mm -hmm. So they were in that area. I think it says that had they not stopped Sauron's forces there, they could have gone on to take Rivendell. It says that there might be no queen in Gondor. Mm. I'm assuming he's saying like Arwen could have been killed in Rivendell, if they, the dwarves had not stopped Sauron's forces then. And he says this line, which again goes back to like that domino thing that we were talking about. We might now hope to return from the victory here only to ruin an ash, but that has been averted. Because I met Thorin Oakenshield one evening on the edge of spring in Bree. A chance meeting, as we say in Middle-earth. Beautiful. It's, I I love that kind of moment of Gandalf being a little bit sentimental, uh, being like, it's really bonkers to think <laughs> that if I had not, if Thorin and I hadn't met in Bree, yeah. entirely different things could have happened.
0: What do you think would happen? if
1: I don't, I mean, I don't think,
0: mm.
1: I don't think that the dwarves would have successfully taken back Erebor. What? Because <laughs> Gandalf had this big plan hatched. That involved a hobbit. Mm -hmm. And if they hadn't, you know, connected some dots together, Mm -hmm. I think possibly Thorin, it it mentioned that, like, the reason he was in Bree is because it was, like, wherever he was, it was, like, on the way to Erebor. But, again, I'm not going to worry too much about geography and maps. Anyway, it mentioned that, like, he was thinking about Erebor and his, like, father's, his forefather's homes and everything. Mm -hmm. And this anger without hope that was building inside of him, I think eventually he might have led a very small attack against Smaug, and I think they all would have died.
0: Damn. Damn. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I know I talked about this the last time I was here, but like if Gandalf had been there in the Smaug fight, he would have turned Gandalf the White then. He would have done the sacrifice. Play. It's
1: possible. The whole
0: Bawarock yeah. thing just would have happened with Smaug. I feel like that would happen
1: i think that's possible yeah yeah really incredible incredible history and domino effect of the dwarves then there's a brief little paragraph about the dwarven women wow. <laughs> um it literally says deece was or dis which is just so funny uh was the daughter of thrain the second so this is thorin's sister mm-hmm. And the mother of Keely and Feely. She is the only dwarf woman named in these histories. <laughs>
0: so, was Gimli sexist when he's retelling this, or was J.R. Tolkien even more sexist?
1: It could have been Gimli, you know?
0: <laughs> Gimli. Didn't Gimli say, oh, women have beards too, so it's hard to tell.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is funny because it the way that it's described that like, oh, there are so few dwarf women, a lot of them look like men. This has given to the foolish opinion among men that there are no dwarf women and that dwarves... Grow out of stone, and like this little part is almost said like word for word by Gimli in the movie yeah. when they're on the way to Helm's Deep. I think that's fun that like they took this almost word for word. Mm-hmm. It does mention though, however, um, thankfully, <laughs>
0: thankfully <laughs>
1: that the dwarven women are not forced to marry. It says that um, dwarves are are like serial monogam- mon- monogamers. <laughs> monogamous monogamers,
0: <laughs> monogamous, Se- serial monogamous. monogamous.
1: Yeah, monogamous... Like they're they're (laughs)
0: penguins.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they mate for life. You know, they have they have one love, and that's that's who they're with for the rest of their lives, essentially. However, dwarven women were not like simply. They were not like forced to marry simply for the sake of like Mm -hmm. procreation. That. A lot of times, you know, there are a lot of men who didn't marry simply because they never fell in love with someone, because they went off to battle, they had other focuses. And same with the women, that a lot of times they were not interested. It also says that sometimes they fell in love with a man, but that man was in love with someone else. and. They just never, you know, that unrequited love because they they mate for life. They're only in love with one person. They just never remarried. So I appreciate there's that intense relief that I as a woman felt (laughs) reading this, that they were not forced to marry simply for the sake of keeping the dwarven line Mm -hmm. going. And then we move on to to Gimli. Gimli's history after Lord of the, after the, the ring is destroyed. Uh, He is like highly renowned among the dwarves, obviously. Mm -hmm. He becomes a great elven friend because he is so close in friendship with Legolas and also because of his reverence for the Lady Galadriel. He brought part of the dwarven folk of Erebor down to the Glittering Caves and becomes lord of the glittering caves there. I love this. Like I can totally imagine like Legolas and Gimli are working for their people, bringing them out into, you know, into new places to to thrive and live more, you know, mm-hmm. beautiful lives now that there's not this threat of darkness because Legolas also brings out some of the elves into Athelion. And so now you have a lot more of like mingling of the races. And it's not so separate. It's not the dwarves are in hiding. It's not, oh, well, the elves are only in Rivendell and they're only in Lorien and and Mirkwood. It's everyone is now coexisting together really peacefully. Then we get sad. Things get sad Mm -hmm. because Aragorn dies and... Legolas at this point decides, okay, well, everyone else is, all of my friends are dead. (laughs) Have you seen that? um,
0: Yes, the dinosaur thing.
1: The dinosaur, all my friends are dead.
0: Yeah, I know what you're talking about.
1: So this is when he decides that this is his time to get on a ship and go to the Undying Lands. It says, here follows one of the last notes in the red book. And I'm really interested Mm -hmm. to see, like, who wrote this? I maybe should go back. I think I'll see in the next uh, in the next mm-hmm. section with the timeline whether or not cuz if Pippin or Merry are writing this then I guess they could write this but yeah. I thought that they I would assume that Legolas would only go over to the Undying Lands once like all of his friends had also died aside from Gimli. So, I'm like who's writing this if uh, Mary and Pippin are dead so maybe <laughs> we'll find out they're alive too mm-hmm. we have heard tell that Legolas took Gimli Gloin's son with him oh. because of their great friendship greater than any that has been between elf and dwarf and it is said that Gimli went also out of a desire to see again the beauty of Galadriel and it may be that she being mighty among the Eldar obtained mm-hmm. this grace for him more cannot be said of this matter because they're like we don't know Oh. maybe Gimli had to jump ship at at a never Valenor.
0: never there is no way <laughs> zero chance that Gimli would jump straight but
1: um can't swim yeah it's believed <laughs> oh that i just love the we have heard tell that legolas took gimley so no one knows for for certain but like rumor has it that at the port that legolas oh. left from he also had a They're like, wow, that's a weird looking elf. (laughs) (laughs) Who's gonna check him? Unusually short and has a beard. I thought elves can't grow beards. Interesting. Okay, and that that is the end of Appendix A. Wow. And the end of this (laughs) recording that both Justin and I (laughs)
0: look. We made it through. We did it. (laughs)
1: We've been working hard to bring this episode to you guys. I swear to God, if you
0: cut out right now, oh no! I swear to God. It's not even, I swear to God.
1: It's fine. Literally, listeners, as I'm saying this, Justin has just cut out. Justin, I'm so sorry. Rest in peace. Okay. At this point, I'm going to insert Justin's outro, telling you where you can find him.
0: Mary Clay, if you're listening to this, I'm going to act like you are outroing me. Hi, uh, you can find me at freddy's roommate wherever toys are sold twitter instagram and tiktok um i also have a podcast that's coming out right now all about the bachelor uh it's on decoding tv with david jen it's a pretty good show it's called decoding reality and me and deja talks tv talk about the bachelor and i hope that interests you
1: that's what i'm talking about as a proud member of wbne if you want to learn more about the network you can go to wbne.org the cover art is by Vaishan Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at Vaishan Designs. You can get merch for That's What I'm Talking About by going to tpublic.com slash user slash Pod. You can follow the podcast on social media at About Pod. And like I mentioned way back at the beginning of this episode, there's also a Facebook group. I'm sorry that, that uh, it, it's fallen off of my radar as the host and leader. But it brings my heart joy to see that people are still sharing memes and very uh, interesting points and fun discussions. So you can join the Facebook group as well. All that's linked in the episode description. You can follow me on Twitter and TikTok at MCWATSUP and on Instagram at what. If you want to support the podcast, you can become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod to explore the different tiers and perks that are available. You can become a member of the Elevensies tier to get access to bonus content such as Audio that did not make it into the final episode, of which there's probably going to be a lot from this recording, because Justin and I always have a great time talking. We get into a lot of really great conversations. We talked a lot about Rings of Power and why people didn't like it and what that means. He is texting me right now in all caps, WTF, UGG, what is happening? Anyway, we had a fun time. I couldn't include all of that in this episode because I wanted the episode to be focused on the dwarves, you know, and and that conversation to be the main thread. So if you want to hear more fun stuff between Justin and I, you can become a member of the 11s East here, or you can become a sponsor of the podcast like Johan, Johan. Thank you for your continued support. You're a wonderful person. I appreciate you and I hope that you are enjoying 2023 so far. This is what we're doing with 2023. We're into the appendices finally. I've been enjoying it and I hope you are as well. As always, if you like what you're listening to, please make sure to rate and review. <sighs> um, so that being said, I don't have Justin here to share parting words with the audience. I will share these parting words that I think, if it weren't for the dwarves, the One Ring would never have been destroyed.
0: As always, long live dwarves.
1: And that's what I'm talking about.
0: It's me. Uh, It's my internet.